First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, I want to take a quick look at that. Anyone recognize the following quote? When you travel around as much as I do, you're bound to run into yourself at some point. Anybody know where that's from? No, it's not Yogi Bear. Or Yogi Bear, for that matter. But anyway, it's the sixth doctor in the Doctor Who series from an episode called The Two Doctors. Now, I've tried to watch Doctor Who. I just can't. I, I just... I can't get into it. Maybe somebody here can explain it to me after. Anybody a Doctor Who fan at all? You can, are you? You need to explain it to you. I, I'm serious. I'm not against it. I just don't get it. The quote is a common sci-fi, uh, sci-fi plot point where a character encounters himself or herself in the future. In X-Men, Days of Future Past, Charles Xavier travels to the future to give himself advice. Uh, because obviously you're older and wiser in the future and you know what's going to happen. We're looking at the recorded prayers of the Apostle Paul in their chronological order in his writings as an aid to uh, prayer on Wednesday nights. His second prayer is near the end of 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and also will do it. All the commentators agree that the emphasis on these verses and in this prayer is on God's faithfulness to bring to completion you as a perfect person in glory. It's about what God is pledged and promised to do. It's therefore like looking at your future self. You see in God's plan for you and his uh, sure purpose to bring you there, your future self. And I think all of us might wish at times we could get advice from our future self uh, to be able to tell ourselves uh, what is going to happen and how we should really react. Ever get to an end of a trial and then think back and say, why did I blow it so much? Why didn't I trust the Lord? I mean, so uh, talking to our future self is kind of a cool thing. Knowing what God will perform and complete we can look at our lives along the way from a heavenly perspective and advise ourselves accordingly. So let's look at the verses and then make the application. Paul addressed the Lord as the God of peace. In Colossians we're told, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And so the cross of Jesus Christ is the means by which God made peace with lost mankind and thereby reconciles men to himself as well as reconciling all of creation. Uh, Look a few words ahead to where Paul said spirit, soul, and body. Uh, Most of us would admit or say that man is made up of those three parts, spirit, soul, and body. I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but not everyone agrees that we're made up of three parts. There are those who say uh, we're really only two parts, the material part, what we would call the body, and then the immaterial part, and soul and spirit, they say, are kind of interchangeable. And and quite honestly, uh, there are scriptures which seem to indicate uh, that the soul and spirit are hard to discern, uh, but... In Hebrews chapter 4, I think this decides it for me, uh, the Lord says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If soul and spirit are interchangeable and basically the same thing, then so are joints and marrow, and so are thoughts and intentions, and they're just not. And so there is a difference between the soul and and the spirit, although I'd be quick to add that only God can truly discern between the two. 
So what does all this have to do with God being the God of peace? Well, the Spirit is that part of man that is to communicate with God. After all, the Bible says God is a spirit, so we must have a spirit in order to know him and to relate to him. When Adam and Eve sinned, man as a spiritual being was separated from God and spiritual death ensued. Ever since the garden, we're born spiritually dead with only a soul and body. The soul is what we might uh, roughly call our self-consciousness. Through it, we have an awareness of God. We can know there is a God, and we can know of things spiritual, but we cannot have direct contact with God because God is a spirit, and our spirit is dead. As soulish beings, we can practice religion, but we cannot have a relationship with God who is a spirit. So when we go to the cross and receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes residence in us, and a spirit is imparted to us, and we, again, can have communication with God. God made peace with us by the cross so that we might be born spiritually to know Him, so that we might have fellowship with Him. Then Paul mentions this word sanctify. That means to set apart and consecrate. We've been set apart and consecrated to God. We are His, and He is at work in us. And Paul says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. That puts the emphasis on what God will definitely do. He will sanctify you completely. It's worded to describe the sanctification as a process occurring now that will be completed at the return of Jesus for you. I don't mean to suggest that we simply let go and let God. I'm not saying there are no Christian disciplines to practice. I'm not saying there aren't sins to flee. I'm saying these verses and this prayer isn't about those things. It's about what God will definitely do in me and in you. This is what he is on... uh, Uh, target in terms of doing. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May isn't maybe, because in the very next verse we're told God is faithful to do it. And so this isn't an exhortation for you to work hard to persevere. It's a promise that God is able to preserve you until he returns. And the returning question is the resurrection and rapture of the church. Now, obviously, if you die before then, you're absent from your body and present with the Lord, but you're not quite finished because you won't have your new glorious resurrection body until the Lord returns. God is able. He has the power to preserve you blameless. That's a promise that for his part, God can always be counted on to aid you in your walk with him. He will never, he cannot ever let you down or fail to help. Just remember this. His help is most often by giving you grace to endure your situation until it comes to its prescribed end. People say, well, how come God doesn't heal and deliver like he did in the Old Testament or when Jesus was on the earth? He can, uh, but that's easy for him. And he did all those things to show us that he could. uh, Oftentimes, uh, I mean, if if you were, if you threw a touchdown every play, what fun would that be? Well, it might be fun if you're a pro. But anyway, you know what I mean? I mean, you have to take, you have to take hits. You have to move down the field. You have to grow and, and develop in that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, the Lord is with you in your situation, uh, giving you endurance through grace. It says in verse 24, He who calls you is faithful. He'll also do it. God calls you. Obviously, He calls all men everywhere by having been lifted up on the cross. It's the universal solution to the universal problem of sin. The Thessalonians were called by God when Paul preached the gospel to them, and they, uh, their hearts were open, their uh, will was freed in order to receive the Lord. What Paul is actually saying here is that God is the caller. 
He initiated your salvation, and since he is faithful, you can believe he will do it, meaning he will complete it, that he will complete you. You probably have some projects that you haven't completed yet, and I dare say there are projects in your life you will never complete. You think you're going to do it, and then all of a sudden you find it in the garage, and it's not even worth a garage sale. I mean, you you just toss it in the trash. God called you. He's the caller, and he will perform everything that he said he was going to do. So, why pray about what God has promised and has the power to perform and bring to completion? Well, why not? For one thing, because it extols the glory of God. Just praying about what God is going to do is glorious. But one thing I get from this is that I am looking at my future self, and I'm perfect. And so what advice would you give yourself now from your perfect self? And it's a very fascinating question. I thought about it, and I thought, there's no end to the advice you would get. I don't even know where to begin. For one thing, I can reassure myself from my future self that God really does love me and have a glorious plan for my life. I may not see it now or ever in this life, but I will when I'm wholly, fully sanctified and I'm where God is calling me to be. For another thing, I would encourage myself to avoid sin and pursue holiness since that is where God is leading me. Well, I get sidetracked along the way. My future self sees sin for what it is and for what it does. It warns me that my sin will surely find me out and cause nothing but harm to myself and to those I love. And so from that perfect position, knowing that I'll be blameless before the Lord, why do I want to pick up things along the way that are uh, sinful and weird and harmful? In my suffering, I can trust that all things really work together for good. Uh, I don't just tell myself that. I know it's true because I see where God is bringing me. My future perfect self would tell me to obey God rather than to disobey Him when it's hard or when it's not my desire because He knows what He's doing and what is needful for my molding and my shaping. And so you could go on and on and you should just meditate on this for yourself. As a perfect future self, looking back on your life where you're at right now, what would you tell yourself? What counsel would you give yourself based on what you know God is definitely going to do in your life? Uh, And it's really kind of liberating and kind of glorious knowing uh, that we have such a secure future. Amen?